The Baltimore Ravens have had some inconsistencies in 2023, especially on offense, but they're still top NFL contenders. We'll talk about why coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube. We are five days a week, so Monday through Friday, we bring your Ravens news, analysis, updates, and so much more. Also, we live stream after every single Ravens game like we did yesterday and after every big piece of news. So if the Ravens make a trade before tomorrow's trade deadline or at tomorrow's trade deadline, we'll go live, talk about the move, break it all down, because that is a pretty big piece of news. But thank you so much, everybody, for the support. Tell a friend, tell a family member that we have their Ravens coverage over here on this channel, both in audio form and video form. Either way, you want to watch the same show, both audio and video. Whether you're an everyday or it's your first time in or somewhere in the middle, thank you for listening today. We have a lot to talk about. The Ravens beat the Cardinals 31-24 to in Week 8. It was a little bit inconsistent. Not really the, the pretty game that everybody expected, but... The Ravens got the win. People are a little concerned about the consistency. I also am a little concerned, but we're going to talk about why the Ravens are still top contenders despite their consistency issues right now, especially, obviously, it's more on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll talk about that in the first part of the show. We'll recap the Ravens-Cardinals game in the second part, more of a general overall thing. And then finally, we will look at if the Ravens will make a trade or not with this new information. We got to see this team one more time in action before the trade deadline. So we'll talk about that as well. So let's get into it here. Ravens and their consistency. I still believe the Ravens are top NFL contenders with the issues they've had offensively with the consistency. Now on defense, this isn't really this doesn't really apply to them. Mike McDonald has had their unit or that unit playing really good football. In fact, elite football. This game against Arizona, which we will dive into more in the second part of the show, it was interesting, I would say, just because the Ravens' defense did get gashed on the ground a little bit in this game. There were some inconsistencies, and Roquan Smith, Marlon Humphrey, you know, both said they weren't lining up in the right places. They were, you know, the performance was not up to their standards, but overall, I think that they kind of, again, like we've seen all season, dragged the offense through this game a little bit. It was a slog offensively to get things going. Now, I will give the Ravens credit, as we will talk about in the second part of the show, too. The Ravens went 4-for-4 four four in the red zone. So when the defense set them up with opportunities, turnovers, the Ravens offense delivered. But at this point in the season, we're halfway through. I talked about this on the live stream yesterday. The audio in the last stream was kind of wonky, by the way, so I, I apologize. I, I think it was something with my computer. But regardless, the Ravens right now, like every team, are halfway through the season with Week 9 now coming up. 18 weeks in the year, we're in Week 9 right now. They've played eight games. So I guess once Week 9 is over, it'll officially be halfway through. But I think people were expecting a little more consistency. And to me, the offense, as I've said, over and over was never expected in my eyes to become this juggernaut unit that from week one to week 18 
was just the number one offense in the league. There was always going to be this, this pattern where, yeah, they needed to get acclimated with each other. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Ravens are top Super Bowl contenders still, or top contenders still in that, in that category, because something that has happened is Baltimore has been essentially robbed of some time, some early season time to get fully acclimated with each other. Injuries during the early portion of the year, you lose J.K. Dobbins, you lose Ronnie Stanley, you lose Tyra Linderbaum, Odo Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, right? A lot of people were going down. Justice Hill misses some time. Mark Andrews misses the first game. I mean, there were so many injuries early on, and luckily for them, most of them outside of J.K. and a couple other guys were not season-ending. And so guys have come back, and they're just now establishing the rapport with each other. So, yes, we're in week nine now. They've played eight games. It's a little concerning that the the consistency is not there, at least to the point that I thought it would be. But I do understand a little bit why, because guys are getting back on the field still and just establishing a connection. I've I've used this, this example before, but when Baltimore in 2021, I think it was, in the preseason training camp, they didn't really have any time to play with each other on the offensive line because Ronnie Stanley was coming back. Kevin Zeitler got injured. Bradley Bozeman got injured. Like it seemed like every offensive lineman got injured and they never could get a full group of the starting five together to practice together. And so when the season started, it was a little bit of, it was a struggle, right? Because he had Alejandro Villanueva flipping from left to right and right to left. It was, it was a mess. This is a little bit of a similar situation. It's not obviously the exact same, but you're still looking for, you know, Lamar and Odell, right? They're, they're looking for their first touchdown connection. Lamar's still trying to learn where Odell likes the football, what he can do. It's a process. So the consistency has to get better. I'm not trying to make excuses for that. I'm not saying, oh, you know what? It's okay because they didn't have the time. At this point in the season, you got to start to, you know, to ramp it up. We're almost in November here. Week nine will be November. So you want to start, you know, the, the upward peak, the upward climb to your peak in November. And obviously, you know, December, you keep going, keep going. And January football, you want to hit that peak boom and, and hopefully that carries into February. The Ravens still have time. The offensive consistency has been a little frustrating, right? I think this has been a defensive team so far this year. And I think it's a little frustrating for fans, people, people, whoever, just because, especially the team, because they have so much talent there. We saw Lamar on Marlon Humphrey's Instagram victory, Instagram live yesterday, say like four words or five words. Marlon was talking to him, trying to get an answer. Lamar barely said anything. He was, I think, pretty mad about the performance, the game. I I don't know what it was, but we heard it last week in a 38 to six route. You know, Lamar said they could be better. Patrick queen was mad. The Ravens defense didn't get a shutout. Some of the sloppiness and it's with every team. Part of the reason why I'm okay with saying, yeah, you know what? Despite this inconsistency, the Ravens are still contenders is because every team is going through something like that. This right now, it's not the same thing. Offenses have been more consistent than the Ravens this year, but the Ravens have had bad losses. Every other team has had at least a bad loss. The Ravens are tied atop the AFC right now. at six and two. Four-way tie for first place between the Chiefs, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. For me, you, you look at some of the stats that were put out and, and just contextualizing what the Ravens have done so far and where they are going to go, what they have ahead of them. A really good piece of information by, I think ESPN put it out. Yeah, it was ESPN. The Ravens are 6-2 and two right now. 
but six of their final nine games are at home, which is tied for the most in the NFL moving forward. And Lamar Jackson at home in November or later is 15 and two. It feels like the, the Ravens would be in a different position right now if they were five and three or four and four. It'd be a little different because you're not winning as much and there's still some inconsistencies. The Ravens have won six games. They've only lost two games. If you if you had told me before the season the Ravens would be six and two heading into week nine, they would be two and one in their division. Yeah, yeah, I would I would probably take that, right? Tied atop the AFC four ways. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely take that. Stuff to be ironed out still. And if it doesn't get ironed out, they'll be in trouble. But I'm gonna put some trust in them with what we saw against Detroit and say they have it in them. We've seen they have it in them offensively. If the offense, it doesn't even have to be like if we're being realistic, it doesn't have to be a full 60 minutes, like just domination, like we saw against Detroit, but just put together some positive momentum in every quarter. doesn't have to be the entire quarter, but some positive momentum, go down and get three points in one quarter. And if you're able to score a touchdown in all the other quarters, that's at least 24 points. And with the way this Ravens defense is playing, that should be enough to win your football game. So Ravens offense does not have to be perfect, but the defense and quite honestly, some of the special teams with Jordan Stout and Justin Tucker, they're playing well enough where the Ravens offense doesn't have to be perfect. And despite the inconsistency, Baltimore is still in that top category because we've seen they can do it. The defense is playing pretty much lights out football. They could maybe add a player before tomorrow's trade deadline. Despite it doesn't feel great. Like the win against the Cardinals didn't feel great. I, you know, I asked on, on Twitter or X, I guess, whether the people were feeling good, right? Are you feeling good about this win? And people said, you know what? A win is a win. It was sloppy, but that's what it is, right? Wins probably don't feel great all the time, especially when it's ugly like this. But what does feel great is the fact that you won the game, right? It doesn't have to be this super pretty blowout all the time. I, I can't remember who said it, but someone in in the comments of that post said that that they would take a sloppy win over a pretty loss. And that's hundred percent true. So Baltimore's a team that sometimes plays down to competition and up to it as every team does, but uh, 31 to 24 win over the Cardinals moves them to six and two keeps them atop the AFC North and coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be talking about a little bit of a general recap of that Ravens and Cardinals game. So be sure to stay tuned, plenty to talk about on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And I'm a big fantasy football guy. I'm in five Locked On Ravens fantasy leagues right now, which is awesome. And our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring in some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or maybe scouting the waiver wire for this week, every week we're going to be providing you with the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster so let's see who's Vinny's picked out for us here in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And if you're looking for a running back, Chuba Hubbard, Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard, he got the lead duties in week eight against the Texans despite Miles Sanders being available. And although Hubbard struggled a little bit to get going in that matchup, he should find more running room back at home against the Colts breaking down front. The Panthers' power running style should yield better results, but Hubbard can also have a bigger impact in the passing game to deliver all around is a fantasy football sleeper. And again, Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football. He's going to help you in your fantasy football championship this year. eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same thing with a vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, 
You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have everything over at eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your ride needs, eBay Motors has them with eBay Guaranteed Fit. is guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at the prices they have over there, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available as customers. All rides only exclusions apply. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you on this Victory Monday. Might not be the, the prettiest Victory Monday, but... It was a win, nonetheless, for Baltimore, beating the Arizona Cardinals at 31-24 in Week 8. It was a game early on that the Cardinals scored a opening drive touchdown, drove down the field pretty effectively, honestly, on that Ravens defense. And I talked about this on the live stream yesterday, but I think a big turning point, like there, there are always those, those moments in games, those game-defining moments. Sometimes they happen pretty early. Other times they happen in the middle of the game. Maybe they happen late. To me, I thought it was early. Cardinals are just drove down the field, seven and nothing Cardinals. Lamar Jackson on that first drive didn't look great for the most part. Had a couple of throws that, you know, that there were some that maybe could have been interceptions, especially one that he threw in the direction of Rashad Bateman. It was ill-advised. He was under pressure. I think he was getting hit as he threw the ball and just kind of let it go. It was a deep ball, honestly. And Bateman comes back and catches the football, out muscles a defender for it. That was a play where in this game, it set the tone for me. Now, it's not like the offense after that went out and scored 50 points on super great efficiency, but the Ravens in that moment, if they had turned the ball over, Cardinals up 7-0, what happens if the Ravens go down 14 to nothing early or 10 to nothing early? I'm sure social media would have been on fire, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. But I don't know how the game looks. Maybe the Ravens come back and win it, but Bateman making that play after the struggles he's had so far this season. He had a really good game, had a really nice block, couple nice catches. Well, he only had two catches in this one, but still he, he made, I think a game winning play. Now it happened on literally the Ravens first drive. So it wasn't like it was oh this fourth quarter catch that secures a win, but that was a game winning play. In my opinion, I, I was really happy for him that he had a great game. He was getting a lot of praise on social media and and rightfully so, right? He definitely deserves it. But in my opinion, I think that that was one of the biggest plays of the game. And it happened literally in like the first five or six minutes. So that big for him, Lamar Jackson goes 18 to 27, 157 yards, one touchdown also adds not a ton of yards on the ground, just 17 on five carries. Lamar wasn't necessarily utilized a lot in this game. It was a running game for this team. Gus Edwards was the most utilized player here. 19 carries for 80 yards and three touchdowns. He he was doing his thing. The Gus bus was rolling in full effect. And look, we've been talking about this Ravens team maybe wanting a running back at the deadline. Those have been the rumors and the rumblings coming out before the trade deadline tomorrow. Well, Gus Edwards did a really good job of making sure that the Ravens know that, hey, you know, he's this guy's still pretty good. He goes, Yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still pretty good here. So with Baltimore and what they're going to need from the running back room moving forward. It's going to be very interesting to see what ends up happening with them as they look to maybe add a, not necessarily like a star. I don't think Derrick Henry's going anywhere, even though that would be awesome. We talked about him over the course of the course of the show last week. But for me, I don't know if a Saquon makes sense for them. Like it'd be awesome, right? It'd be great. But how does that contract look in the off season for him? If they want to extend him, Josh Jacobs, same thing. Dalvin Cook doesn't necessarily move a needle for me. Like, I don't think he's somebody that 
I look at and get super excited about. But as a depth piece, I mean, maybe it would work out. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do there. But Edwards had a day. He was awesome in this one for the Ravens. I think receiver-wise, it wasn't necessarily a big day for anybody. Mark Andrews had four for 40. Justice Hill, four for 40 as well. Mark Andrews had the touchdown. That's the difference between them. Rashad Bateman, two for 34. Zay Flowers, five for 19. Gus Edwards, two for 14. Isaiah Likely, one for 10. Odo had four targets, no catches. He was very frustrated, slammed his helmet down. He he wants something bad. He, he wants to get on track bad for this Ravens team. So I don't, I don't necessarily know how the Ravens are going to operate with this whole thing in terms of what they're going to do with their offense and just getting them on track. But the Ravens, again, as I mentioned in the first segment, converted in the red zone. They went four for four. And when the defense gave them the opportunities, they responded. That, that's what you need to do. You respond in that situation. You respond in that moment. And they did that after a couple of weeks struggling. Well, they, you know, they started off as the top resident offense in the league through four weeks. And then they kind of moved into this stretch of, you know, bad red zone play for the next couple of weeks. But then you get into a great spot. They go, what was it, six for six in the red zone or five for five against Detroit. And then they go four for four yesterday. So hopefully they're back on track there. It's big for them to convert on touchdowns and not settle for field goals. Defensively, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen led the way. No surprises. 11 tackles each for both those guys. Kyle Hamilton with 10. Brandon Stevens had seven in an interception. Michael Pierce was insane. This was the Michael Pierce game. <laughs> this might have been one of the best games of his entire career, if not the best game of his career. He had five tackles, but he, he was doing everything. He had a sack, a pass deflection, a tackle for loss, a quarterback hit, a couple of fourth down stops, which were huge. He was everywhere. So he's a player that started off really strong last year, got injured in week two, comes back and just dominates much like he was doing at the start of last season. So I'm really happy for him. Justin Matabike gets another sack. Geno Stone had another interception. He's now leads the league with five of those. Baltimore had a pretty good all-around defensive performance. Now, team stat-wise, offensively, Baltimore went 4 for 11 on third down. It wasn't like Arizona was much better. They went 5 for 12. But it was all pretty even between the two. One more first down for the Cardinals. The Both, the, both teams, yeah, had six penalties. The Cardinals had more penalty yards. The Ravens had one more yard rushing. Josh Dobbs had more passing yards, but two turnovers were the keys. You know, the Ravens give the ball back to the offense in areas where they could work in and they weren't reliant on them to move the ball down the field, you know, 50, 60 yards. They gave the ball to the offense inside the 20. You know, that was something that they were able to do. And then the offense was able to capitalize. I was really impressed with Gus Edwards as well throughout the entirety of the game. I know we'll talk about the running back situation more in the final part of the show, but he was making cuts. He was very aware. He, he was locked in, I felt like in this game. I thought this was a very, very good Gus game. And not just because, oh, we scored three touchdowns, but he was, he was doing a lot in that game that impressed me just from a field vision perspective. And for me, I've said this many times throughout the years I've done this show. He has added to his game every single season. He was just North South runner coming out of college. Really? He's added a ton to his game and I, I was really impressed by him. So, I mean, the Ravens held the ball for just about a minute less than the Cardinals did. It was not like a pretty win. Again, I, I keep coming back to the words pretty win, but it's, it wasn't one. It was a sloppy win, but that's just how it got done for Baltimore. 
it kind of always felt like a game that could go like this. I know that we talked with Kadri Ismail on Friday about, well, how would you feel if it was like 17 to 14 Ravens? This one was 31-24. And it doesn't feel great, but I have confidence that this this is a team that plays up and down. So my, my big brain theory is, you know what, once they hit the playoffs, they're just going to play up to everybody, <laughs> and hopefully they, they do a good job then. But for now, it's got to escape these games with wins. They found a way. The onside kick situation was a little tricky, but – they got the job done at the end of the day. Coming up in the final part of the show, though, trade talk is what we'll be getting into. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to get to on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And it's really important. You know, maybe there's a game stoppage and a, like a timeout. It's halftime and you want to get food, but there's nothing in the fridge. You have no snacks. It, it, look, it's happened to me before. If you're in the Baltimore area, there are a ton of different options on DoorDash. You maybe want sushi, right? Sushi Hana could be for you, daily sushi. Maybe you want pizza. You could do the Underground Pizza Company. They have so many options over on DoorDash in the Baltimore area and obviously in many other places. So maybe you want the game day package. You want pizza, wings, soda, burgers, DoorDash. You can get it all delivered with them. Or maybe you want snacks, chips, dip, nachos, Everything you need to make your own nachos on DoorDash. I'm a big nacho guy. You can get that over there as well. You can get 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download DoorDash and enter code LOCK23, separate exchange, terms apply. And you can get prepared before game day. Stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash and get ready to watch your team win. Again, get 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. And enter code LOCK23, something to change, terms apply. Don't forget to use code LOCK23 for 50% off of the $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, something to change, terms apply. We're back here. It's our final seven of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you here. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and making us your first listen each and every day. Truly, I really appreciate it. It's been awesome growing this show. Just hit 5,000 subscribers couple weeks ago we're coming up on on the trade deadline tomorrow it's it's halloween and I, maybe i will maybe wear a halloween costume on this show maybe if enough people commented or i get some some shouts on twitter i'll, I'll do it i'm still debating we'll, we'll see tomorrow but it's really exciting the ravens are six and two and i've been doing the show since 2019 and that 2019 team made a trade for marcus peters and that paid off pretty well now this 2023 team has the opportunity to make a trade, not necessarily a ton of needs. Running back, cornerback, and edge are my three. I understand there are some people who want wide receiver. I just I feel like Baltimore trusts their group enough, and there wouldn't be room for anyone on this team unless you go get a Devonte Adams and maybe I think you trade away Rashad Bateman in that deal. But I don't think they want to do that. I think they are comfortable and confident with their guys. But the ways that you can look at the trade deadline, we talked about it pretty much all last week going to talk about it here more today. Baltimore needs to look at their roster, both from a health perspective and an, an injured perspective. What if Gus Edwards goes down? What if Brandon Stevens goes down? What if Rafa Owe or Genevieve Clowney go down? Do you feel confident enough in the rooms that you have with a guy going down that, that you feel like you can still contend at that position and be okay? Running back would be pretty dicey. You know, let's say Gus goes down. Hopefully, again, knock on wood, nothing happens to any Ravens players, any players across the league, honestly. But for Baltimore, it'd be Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell, Melvin Gordon, Owen Wright. I that that's tough. That's really tough. And then you have to maybe go to the free agent market, sign a Leonard Fournette or something like that. I don't think it, it would not be bad if Baltimore were to trade for a uh, running back. Now, 
Derrick Henry seems to be staying in Tennessee. That that those are apparently the rumors right now. Saquon and Josh Jacobs have been brought up in conversation. I it'd be awesome if either of those guys came to Baltimore, would instantly become the best running backs on the team. I just don't know if the Ravens want to deal with the contract situation later. They'd be great in this offense. Like Saquon and Lamar would be like video, much like Derrick Henry, it'd be video game stuff. But I just don't know if they want to deal with it in terms of the contract and where the position is right now. Feels like Dalvin Cook is more realistic, which again, I don't think would move a needle, as I said. But other sleeper names, Aaron Jones, maybe from Green Bay. Green Bay's in a weird spot right now. Miles Sanders, who barely got any run yesterday. Maybe he'd be an option on the contract, so the things you'd have to work out with both those guys. But maybe they're they're both options. Corner-wise, look, Pat Sertan would be awesome, but doesn't feel like Denver's moving them and would cost a lot. I think a Dante Jackson would be would be a really solid option over from Carolina where you could have more corner depth, where if a Brandon Stevens were to go down, you could feel confident in that. I think Dante Jackson would be perfect, honestly, in my opinion, but we'll see. Edge-wise, Daniel Hunter doesn't seem very realistic anymore. Now, who knows? After the Kirk Cousins injury, maybe Minnesota just decides to sell, and Daniel Hunter will be a part of that. But Brian Burns doesn't feel like he's being moved. Maybe it is Chase Young or Montez Sweat, both guys from the Commanders. The Commanders losing to Philadelphia yesterday. Maybe it takes a, a third or a fourth to get one of those guys. That could be an option. I'd be down with that. So I think it's really interesting just where the Ravens are right now and how they will approach the deadline. Because as we kind of talked about last week, do they have to make a trade? They don't have to. I think their roster is good enough for them not to, but they can go into the trade deadline, not as, Oh, we're, we're so in, we're in such a bad position at this position. So we have to add somebody. They can look at what's there. They don't have to overpay. I don't see them giving up a first, not with the way they operate, but we we've seen them surprised before. I didn't think they'd give up a second for Roquan Smith and they did it. There are options that the Ravens have. They don't have to panic. I think that, you know, the, the pure thought of a trade, a lot of people just want to see a trade made to make a trade. And I get that. Like trades are fun. Trades are awesome. I, I personally am a huge fan of any sports trade deadline, whether it's NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, whatever. Trade deadlines are really fun, but you can't just trade to, trade like teams don't operate that way where they they don't just trade to trade maybe there are trades here and there that kind of fall into that category like I don't really know what Ty Montgomery was doing for them back in 2018 but to me I think that if you add a running back you're in a good spot because you are preparing both for a healthy team and for an injured team plus the other aspect of it is long-term versus short-term is this a rental like would if they trade over Saquon would that be a rental? They let him walk. They get the comp pick back. I mean, with Yannick Ngakwe, they traded for him from Minnesota. I think, well, was it a third and a fifth? And then they let him walk and they get a comp pick because he signed that deal with the Raiders. So there could be that situation, or it could be like what the Ravens did with Roquan Smith, which is you trade some high draft capital for him and they make it work. They sign him to a $100 million extension. So any rate, if the Ravens had let Roquan Smith walk, they would have gotten a third round comp pick back for him. So it could just be, it's a trial period essentially for some of these guys, right? Bring them in mid season, see how they work early on. And then if you feel like they're good enough, you can give them a full off season. I mean, I'll, I'll give a nuggets example. I'll throw my nuggets phantom in here for a second. Reggie Jackson, it wasn't a trade, but they brought in Reggie Jackson last year from the Clippers, the Clippers traded him to the Hornets, the Hornets bought him out. 
And they bring him in as this veteran guy, super established, but doesn't really play with the Nuggets, was kind of struggling to grasp the system, gets benched. Well, the Nuggets bring him back for a full offseason in the system. He comes in, first three games, he's been lights out. He's been incredible. People thought he was done, thought he was washed. He's been great this year for them so far. Hopefully it stays that way. How, that, how does that apply to the Ravens? Well, if they ring in somebody at the deadline, they have to get acclimated to the system. Maybe they don't perform super well, but the Ravens see something and then they, they re-sign him in the offseason with a full offseason in the program, and they play really well. So there are multiple different avenues to explore when it comes to the trade deadline, which is super fascinating. We'll kind of see how they maneuver it is the couple of hours. It's really, what, less than 48 now before the deadline is up. So we'll see. But there is an opportunity for the Ravens to add to an already really good 6-2 and football team, and that excites me. It does. So the Ravens establish that they're one of the top contenders in the AFC and the NFL, even despite their inconsistencies, but they can still have an opportunity to add to that in the coming hours. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, we'll do a trade deadline preview on Halloween, maybe a costume. We'll see. So we should have stayed tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.